0: means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.
1: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. I've got Jason Kelly. Um, he's the global head of blockchain services at IBM. Jason, how you doing?
2: Oh, doing great today, Rich. Great to be talking with you.
1: Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you guys for a while because, you know, the uh, the large companies that are involved in blockchain. It's you know, they they have public facing statements, but it's rare to get uh, an inside look at what's going on. So I'm looking forward to this. So yeah, if you would um can you give folks just a little brief background and then let's talk um what what IBM is doing in the blockchain world?
2: Sure. And uh when you say background, how what what let's let's make sure I give you the right background on uh what you're asking. Are we speaking specifically on background on blockchain uh tell me yeah, more just, Rich.
1: just a, a, yeah just a tiny you know not only back to the cradle but uh, just a tiny bit about you and then um how you got involved in particular in blockchain efforts at IBM
2: ah okay so that and that's what i want to make sure is that i'm being as uh, uh clear <laughs> as you would want when you say give you some background we'll get personal then on on me it's the probably the least least exciting part of the conversation we'll have but i'll go ahead and talk about me for a quick second the okay. my background within uh IBM I've I've had a, a number of careers before joining IBM everything from the manufacturing industry to public sector and uh starting a and running a startup uh as well and then within IBM I've worked across our company as it uh is is quite diverse and global and over the, the more than a decade almost 15 years now within the company uh, more than 15 years uh I have worked in our software group within uh, the global software uh, team and within our sales team globally, within our technical uh, services team, and then a better part of my time has been sent, spent in our global uh, consulting services team. And uh, one of my, uh, I think, most interesting jobs which took took me across a number of geographies was um, in the areas of big data and analytics. And... Uh, helping to start that that business for IBM globally really led me to I think uh, predate where I've ultimately ended up here in blockchain in that uh, in working across a number of, of clients in North America leading the business in Southeast Asia and then later leading the business in our Greater China group including Hong Kong and Taiwan while it we had great success and continue that success in big data and analytics, which has now evolved to cognitive. There's always been these uh, elusive uh, factors with regards to being able to move quickly, and they've been data quality as well as access to data. So put that on the shelf and I'll I'll keep going and tell you exactly how I got into blockchain. Uh, So remember, data quality and access. I then, from that uh, big data analytics piece, Rich, jumped into leading our solutions globally. And when I say solutions, that's solutions uh, for IBM that involve services, hardware, uh, software, so end-to-end services. And as part of that, uh, did a couple experiments, if you will, uh, a couple years back with blockchain and was at it at amazed uh, with the capability to touch on those two items I just mentioned, which are access, and quality of data. That interest led to then my uh, discussion with our leadership and ultimately the role as general manager uh, for our blockchain services. And now uh, I'd say that's probably the most exciting thing that, uh, <laughs> that I have done and could be doing with our uh, 107-year-old startup of a company we call IBM.
1: Well, very good. So what, when you talk about access and quality of data, I mean, what does that mean? What are the, some of the problems with it right now that, that IBM is working to solve or that you've worked to solve?
2: So it's, it's interesting. You know, to, to talk about data, first, you can set all that aside and say, first, what are we all in the business of doing? And that's to create value. That's value for shareholders, value for our in, end users. All that, that, that effort uh, leads to the, an outcome. And so let's start with that, you know, the outcomes and all those outcomes tend to revolve around data. You know, if you're trying to make a a happy customer in the consumer packaged goods and you want a better widget, you know, somewhere in there you want them to have a great experience and you can't improve that experience unless you have data about their past experience, have data about what their, their wants are, their needs. You know, all of those things revolve around data. If we're talking efficiencies in a supply chain, then it's, you know, how long does it take to get a, a widget from point A to point B? What about the transactions compliance and the security and, and, and all of the, the, the provenance around getting that widget from point A to point B? All of those points from point A to point B of moving a widget and finding that that value has been based on data. And the challenge that we've had is first understanding that the data that we have is true. You know, this is where the single version of the truth has come from. And then also ensuring that when we have a single version of the truth that we can even get to it because that data is often owned in a silo or, let's say, hoarded or protected in a silo. So if we could only get access to these loads and mounds of data, uh, and and be sure that that data is correct, then we could make very rational and educated decisions. So that's that's where I think then with blockchain, simply a technology, but in this case a capability to get very very reliable and trusted data, a single version of the truth, and with the distributed ledger access to those people who are permissioned to have access. So if you could pull down those two barriers, which you're able to do with this capability, you begin to unleash in a very unbridled capability to to look at business models and business opportunities in a new way.
1: So how is IBM working on this? As consultants to existing companies to help them gain more efficiency and single source of truth? Or is IBM coming out with its own um, ledger that's specific to IBM? You know, what are you guys working on?
2: Well, you say, you know, our own ledger, we were one of the founding members uh, of the Hyperledger Foundation. So we we don't say our, it's not IBM's uh, ledger, but we do uh, work very closely with Hyperledger. We also team with other um, platforms in order to deliver the capability. And that capability that we're driving is one that says, how do we take, this very complex process uh, of of exchanging value, that transaction of value. How do we make the valued transactions simple and trusted and visible? And when you think of that, you say, well, where are some places where that's very common? Supply chain, for example. You think of supply chain being an end-to-end process across multiple industries. People tend to think supply chain um, in that model that I mentioned earlier as a widget. But if you could just simplify that supply chain and call it a value chain, it then goes cr- across an industry because you think of a, even a mortgage going from origination to fulfillment. It's a product that has many stages that it goes through where there's a transfer of value as well as information. And if you could only give that very transparent capability to that, that, that data, ensure that that data is correct. You actually then could deliver the value that we talk about with blockchain of removing the intermediaries by allowing those people in that transaction to transact and pull that value back into that product itself. So what are we doing? We're focused on complex transactions or those multi-step transactions where you can deliver value. You look at those types of transactions and they include the three Ps, as we call it, either a lot of people, a lot of process, or a lot of paperwork. And so you tend to look at, back to this value chain, uh, examples that begin to look like the things that we're working on. It begins to look like our food safety effort that we launched with Walmart that now includes 10 other uh, founding partners in the food safety effort. Uh, Some of those even, even competitors or one people would think would be competitors with Walmart, such as as Kroger. But it goes across Golden State Foods, Tyson, Unilever, Dole, Driscoll's, and the like. You know, those members in food safety say, how do we get a food product from farm to fork? And do that with a lot of uh, assurance and provenance and speed. We think about uh, food safety as a challenge in and of itself – you know, this is all outcomes based as I mentioned. So why do that? Why attack this this challenge of the the three Ps if there's not a payback? You think of food safety, something that we can really, really metric, where we know there's you know, forty eight million people a year getting sick, hundred and twenty eight thousand of those hospitalized, some three thousand of those uh people dying from foodborne illnesses, it's something that you can you can touch and feel and, and measure. So that's where you could have an outcome by applying this capability. Or it could be in a process such as a, the shipping portion of a supply chain where there's a lot of people, process, and paperwork, such as the work that we're doing with Mersk, where Maersk, uh said, I have IBM, let's, let's work together uh, in order to, to minimize the paper based documentation of getting this widget, whatever it may be, from point A to point B farm-to-fork in the example of Walmart and the Food Safety Network, where they worked with IBM to say, let's move a shipment of flower bulbs, I believe tulip bulbs, from uh, a port in Kenya to a uh, arrival destination in the Netherlands. And in doing that, Rotterdam, I believe. So in trying to do that, there were some 200 documents that had to be processed from getting it from point A to Point Z, so in wow. putting that that number of documents, think of that two hundred the stack of paperwork, but not just paper because people say, oh well that's that, you're talking document management. no, think of the process, rich, think of the process of taking it from each each business to the next business to each person. you know sometimes are the people there? could they answer it? is it even in some cases, is it a fax that's being sent? If you could pull all of that out and in this case. They pulled uh, the majority of those documents out. When I say the jo- majority, take, take a zero off of that and go from from 200 to 20. So 10% of what they had, that becomes the outcome that they, Merck along with IBM, got to by putting this on a very, very um, rapid uh, capability with, with blockchain. I
1: was going to ask you, so, so you had a 90% reduction in documentation. Um, what... What were the other results of it, uh, the cost savings, the time savings? Can you, you know, I, I don't, it was proprietary, I understand, but can you give ballparks on the total benefit?
2: So if we, we look at uh, the, the total benefit in, in another one of the examples that I gave, so that you think, I mean, time, time is probably a, a good measure and then that will translate itself across a given business because, you know, each business has its own operational cost. So to give you, you know, the operational cost of MERSC and saying that we take uh, 200 documents down to, to 20, so 90% reduction, you can uh, imagine that there's a multiple of that 90% with regards to the human capital, not just the the actual monetary capital that's involved. But then we look at the Walmart example, and Walmart also... Did work with um, our team, and we looked at the challenge of this food safety effort of trying to trace a, a single product, and we we found something very simple, which was mangoes at the time. Mangoes from farm to fork, or at least farm to to store and back. The you know, that that's the challenge, right? Because if you have a a food borne Ill, illness scare. All food is going to be assumed guilty until proven innocent, which is a little bit <laughs> backward. That means you, you, you have to throw it away, right?
1: So Yeah, I've heard of uh, thousands of bottles of something pulled from shelves or tons of food. You know, yeah, it's, it creates tremendous waste.
2: You, you're exactly right. And one-third, one-third of processed food is uh, often thrown to waste because of uncertainty. And, you know, we could, we could oh. continue, we could go to the powdered milk scare in China, we could go to the spinach scare here in the US. You could, you know, everyone has their one example of where there was some foodborne illness scare. And that becomes very understandable when you say, yes, you know, you can't take the chance of of assuming that it's okay because it just takes one case to be the exception. So time is of the essence. And so now let's put you know, the value on that, not a price tag, but let's put a value on, you know, those, those 128,000 cases or those 3,000 lives, which is hard to do. But you can say what we, what we then found in our work with Walmart, where it used to take six days, six days and some 20-some hours, almost seven days in full, in order to find the origin of, let's say, a bad mango. And in the work that we did with Walmart, we were able to shorten that six days and 20-odd hours to 13 seconds. So, Rich, Rich, I leave that to you to put a dollar figure on with regards to how you value that, with regards to how you can not only potentially save lives, but also save waste in order to pinpoint exactly where the origin of, in this case, Foodborne illness or a defect is found. So you 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 you, so, well, you imagine that?
1: Yeah, no, it's tremendous. What? How? You know, I hear about blockchain initiatives from from everywhere, and I hear about test cases and all that. When do you see blockchain-based solutions in use, in production, or are they already? I mean, how far out are we from widespread adoption of these kind of solutions?
2: Oh, uh, so widespread adoption is is the ultimate question of how fast do we think the current ones that are in production will grow. So the first answer is it's real now. And that's why I gave you a couple examples of of networks underway. Um, we have 20-plus networks uh, within IBM. Uh, and when I say network, a network is an operating blockchain network that could be one or multiple clients. And when I say multiple clients, that is the the essence of blockchain it's hard to do it you know it's it's a team sport so it's not a, a single player it will be a a founder network where one person or one company stands up and says i will lead this and then they bring in their their ecosystem or it's one where it's a consortium where that consortium is a a group of like bodies that see joint value in bringing together that network so those networks are now forming uh across uh multiple industries. Uh the one that I mentioned uh here earlier was within uh the consumer products area. I also mentioned the travel and transportation with regards to, to shipping. And then we also have many uh that we are working with with regards to the financial services industry. We.trade is one of the more public publicly discussed one which is number of 9 banks uh who have come together uh, for a digital trade chain uh, capability, uh, opening up the availability of, of trade finance uh, to small, medium enterprises uh, by sharing this information across banks that uh, used to compete. Uh, so you're starting to see this move very rapidly. It's, it's no longer uh, experiments. You know, 2016 was the year of blockchain uh, experiments 2017 started out as, you know, more blockchain tourism, but uh, the proof of values and proof of concepts, and we finished strong with production networks. Uh, one, one example is I gave you with Walmart, uh, as they were one of the founders, there were the nine others that worked with them, and by uh, mid-December, uh, those 10 founding food safety clients were all on a production-ready uh, network up and running and and ready to then go to the next stage of uh, taking that production ready uh, capability into uh, their food safety uh, operational capability. So it's real. It's growing quickly. And what we see then, if you sit back, Rich, and you think about three areas that I've just mentioned where you have a food safety effort, so consumer products, and you think about how those products get from point A to point B and that that food safety capability being one network, and then the other network is actually shipping. And I mentioned this this global trade digitization as a shipping capability, that being another network. And then I also mentioned trade finance as being yet another network. So so think about that, Rich. What's the, the common word there is trade, right? I just mentioned three networks, and they're all trade related, right? Yeah. So so think of now those three networks working together and what you have is a network of networks you have something very very um new in thought meaning that each one of these blockchain networks then could work together that is the vision going forward where you have multiple blockchain networks working together
1: what's um what's the opinion of um you know the activities with bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and you know the stuff that's non um you know that, that the large institutions don't seem to be working with.
2: So, well, let me let me ask you a question, Rich. Why why? What's your opinion and what you're seeing? And this is a good test of uh, you know general opinion. Why why do you believe the larger institutions aren't working with with those types of
1: efforts? It seems like there's two sides of the aisle. I mean, there's even two different conventions. There's consensus, which deals with all the large financial institutions and you know big companies, and it seems like. And this is just my opinion it seems like the big companies look at blockchain and bitcoin and and all that stuff and they say well we like the blockchain aspect of it we like the permission ledgers um you guys you know the crypto anarchists or the the little guys you worry about cryptocurrencies you worry about open public ledgers and and things like that we're going to take the elements we like and use it for other purposes and both are fine but it just seems like both sides of the aisle as i picture it uh Distrust each other and stay away from each other, and that's that's the divide I see in the crypto space. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but that's just what I see.
2: No, your your answer is is exciting, in, in, in that I think it it's it's good good um, good storyline for even a a, a movie or uh, some type of you know workup of of that side of you know that there's two sides that there's distrust. You know I I can't uh, validate that. What I can tell you is that I do believe that it's it's a little a little more basic than that. In that the enterprises that we work with are first saying, how do we get value out of this new capability? Um, you know, they, they they often say, tell you know, where can we apply blockchain? And I tell them, you know, it's not a we don't sell a bucket of blockchain. You can't go pick up a bucket of it and wipe it across your organization. <laughs> you know. So, so it's what is it that, that we're talking about? Is It's a capability, and what those enterprises are saying is, okay, well, if I look at a uh, public network and a permission network right now, I see more value in a permission network. I see value in outcomes that I can get from the blockchain capability versus the other. And so I can't tell the future, but I can tell... Uh, what we're seeing right now with our enterprise partners. And they're saying, look, we want to move quickly with where we can move value through our organization and see the, the, the real-time outcome in return. And that gets back to this ability to have access to the data uh, that's, that's trusted and get those outcomes. And so that's where they've been focused. They, they really um, have been focused with us in this uh, permissioned uh, Blockchain effort, uh, so so that's that's what we've seen, and 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 as I said, I don't think it's one or the other or one against the other. I, I think it's more of where enterprises are seeing the most immediate value.
1: Okay, well, very good. Um, you know, just last question or two. So, what do you think is going to be the big thing for 2018? Any big things coming? Any massive sea changes? You know, what what do you guess may happen this year?
2: Speed. Speed, speed, and more speed, Rich. That's what I think is the big thing, is just like anything else, we're beyond uh, most of the hype because we see what can be done and it's real. And so the big thing is how do you move quickly and at scale for the enterprises? You know, we, I talked about We.Trade uh, with our consortium in Europe, a consortium, uh, consortium of banks where they started with seven founding members that quickly grew to nine. We're seeing just the, the same type of, of conversations happening in other places uh, at a consortia uh, level where we have consortias coming together very quickly saying, how do we do this quicker, better, faster? So speed and scale. And so what does that point toward, in my, my opinion, Rich, is how do you do this in a which is a very complex situation in and of itself. If you think of bringing multiple organizations together, not to mention the complexity even within their organizations, so then you get somewhat of an exponential uh, effect there of, of, of complexity. How do you do that quickly and efficiency and efficiently? Uh, or I should say quickly and effectively with efficiency, which is a <laughs> different has different connotations. That then says the next big thing is not coming at this piecemeal, coming at this from an end-to-end perspective, from the first step of of using design thinking to understand what the outcome is for that end user, how, however they may define that end user persona for that given enterprise, and then having the wherewithal and capability to step through the technology, the business process, the organizational change, the infrastructure, whether it be on-prem or off-prem, and the ultimate delivery capability. Somewhere in there, you have design, build, deliver, run in those steps, but I, I took it to a lower level of granularity because it's just that difficult. That's what I think is the next big thing, is how do you do that together in one capability that's made simple and easy, and so it's it's tough finding a provider that can do all of those things.
1: That's gotcha. okay. Well, very good. So, what's what's the best way for interested parties to contact IBM to see if you guys have a, uh, a blockchain-based solution for their their issue?
2: Google IBM blockchain, and you will get to um, our team. Uh, we have one team that's one global team. Uh, we have one team that goes across everything that we do. In blockchain, and uh we can uh move quickly, so I say reach out to uh to us directly uh and we will entertain all questions and thoughts and be able to to help uh pull together what's what's needed with with whatever questions or uh, needs uh, our potential clients and ecosystem partners, which I want to call out uh very distinctively here rich is it you know, I get back to this thought is sure. blockchain is a team sport. So um am just as interested in the startup and ecosystem partners because they are just as important um, as any of the players uh, in this, this equation.
1: Okay, very good. Well, Jason, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. It's been a, a good talk, and uh, I always enjoy talking to the, uh, the large companies because I want to get their perspective on this. The little guys are easy to get to, but uh, the bigger ones not so much.
2: Hey, Rich. I say we, you know, thank you and thank you for your your time. We're just as I said, the 107 year old startup moving like a, a small company in a big space. So, uh, thanks for your time, buddy. Look, look, look forward to catching up again uh, anytime we can we
0: can make it happen. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto. To hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to bitcoinsuperconference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms.